0: Welcome to the Still in Motion podcast, where we talk about dance and dance photography from both sides of the camera. I'm Catherine.
1: I'm Jonathan, and I have so many things I want to talk about today. Let's whoa, yeah, jump right in. Um, what's up? (laughs) Okay, this is the shortest one I think, so I'll just start with this. Last, so I'm right before we started, I was yawning, and Catherine was asking why I was so tired. I was at a b-boy jam last night. For those, um, if you don't know what a jam is, it's a battle. Um, one of my friends, his crew was hosting it and I really wanted to go support and I'm trying to be better about going to support events in the community, um, whether it's modern or breaking or house or whatever it is. I'm just trying to be more in the community, which is hard sometimes because of work and other things, but, um, the battle, let's see, the prelims didn't start until 10, the actual battles didn't start till midnight and the, so the finals didn't. And I think I left at like two o'clock, no, one o'clock, but I didn't get home till like two o'clock because it was in Virginia. So it was just like a late night. Um, But while I was there, it was at this restaurant slash bar and it was like this concrete floor, really dimly lit, you know, like a very like cool ambiance, but it was so, so dark. I brought my camera and I maxed out my ISO. Like I went above 6400 at F2.8. Shutter speed, uh, like one over two hundred, and I w- could barely get anything. So that's how dark it was. Just for just for context, if you're if you are familiar with camera settings, and the their format for the prelims is everyone that was battling, you signed up, but you would just cipher. You we just they just sessioned for like two hours, and the judges walked around and gave scores. I think is how it worked, and then they announced like the top eight at starting at midnight. So we're just walking around, you know, you go from like cipher to cipher, you're talking to people and you're watching and it was so dark. I think my eyes like lowered their natural shutter speed or something. Like I was seeing more motion blur than I am used to. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that's a thing, but I was like, is my eye basically, you know how like with the camera, if you need more light, you'll lower your shutter speed, but then there's more motion blur. And I was like, is my eye doing that? Or is this like a mind trick and there's like a weird strobe or flash somewhere going on? You know, like it was such a weird, bizarre thing that I noticed.
0: That's that's really cool. Are, are these events normally this dark? Is that like the normal ambiance?
1: Yeah, it kind of depends on the venue. Sometimes they're during the day and they're outside. Oh, okay. But this time it was, I mean, it started so late. It was after the restaurant had closed. Um, okay. And, you know, they're not built for stage lighting like when you go to a bar it's supposed to be dark and moody they have some lasers they have some cool projectors and stuff like that but that's about it so yeah it was done there i'm also just constantly amazed at how b-boys and b-girls in particular are able to learn how to safely and efficiently transfer weight through the floor in a way that like i don't know after watching that every single time i'm like Man, modern dancers are such babies. You complain about not having a sprung floor and you're still, like, doing a slow roll or jump in. I was like, B-Boys, they just go for it. And it's on hard concrete. They're flipping. They're spinning. I'm like, I mean, I be- I'm sure you feel sore afterwards. And I don't think longevity is a thing you're thinking about. But still, like, it's crazy.
0: I think it's good for, like, contemporary dancers to maybe take that kind of technique class from time to time. Like, I took a, like break dancing floor work class at lion's jaw you know it was a bunch of dancers in there who had like never done anything like that before or people who were familiar with contemporary dance floor work mm-hmm. but it's amazing to like train your body in that kind of way and like see you know just yeah it's a really different technique so i don't yeah. know i want to do more of that kind of stuff
1: well and also the fact that they're all self-taught you know like they learn this by sessioning on tile or concrete all the time so they're forced to really figure out how to make it as safe and efficient as possible versus like i don't know you go to a modern class and you show someone how to do a floor thing they might mess up but like i don't know it's just like it's a lower risk situation you know like you feel it a lot less when you're on that sprung floor in the studio when but if you crash on tile you better figure out how to not crash again or or soon because it's gonna really start hurting it's just a it's just a very different (laughs) learning environment that i've never really put myself through but i have so much respect for them that the fact that they figure all that out on their own
0: yeah that's that's awesome higher consequences for sure like you will get hurt <laughs> yeah <laughs> you better figure it out right now <laughs>
1: exactly yeah. yeah
0: i was just um taking dance class in uh brooklyn kind of far away but it's the best class it's mary spencer's class who i think you know because you've taken pictures of yeah yeah
1: she dances and, with Kendra. and yeah
0: yeah it's like she's amazing like if you live anywhere close to new york or far from new york come to new york to take her class <laughs> <laughs> i've been following her around so um it was great great class. It was kind of short it was only an hour and a half um used to class being like two hours but that's so interesting i have thoughts about awesome. that
1: and that's actually related to a class land story yeah so what are your thoughts about that well just for context when so most adult classes in New York are around two hours or like an hour yeah. and a half to two hours?
0: Normally two hours.
1: Okay. When you teach kids, what is the length of class? Like when you teach? Well,
0: when when I taught... Uh, or when you did teach? Cause now, now uh, yeah, I'm not teaching dance anymore right now. But when I was teaching pre-K ballet, class was like 45 minutes. Okay. But they're like three. <laughs> right. So that's yeah, a little yeah. different. When I was teaching older kids class was maybe an hour an hour max it would never be two hours
1: okay well because
0: well I guess actually I guess
1: adult classes in this area are longer than an hour I just haven't taken class in so long but I've been so used to teaching like a 45 minute to an hour class with my kids I Mm. was teaching (laughs) at Shenandoah University this past week I did like three day uh, three classes back to back we did house breaking and then house again uh and it was like a mixture of dance majors and music majors or musical theater majors but their classes were like an hour 45 and Mm -hmm. i didn't run out of material but my body definitely felt it at the end i was like wow i'm still dancing normally i'm done by now
0: (laughs) yeah well you definitely have to kind of structure class a little bit differently you know if you're going to be going that long you can't do the normal hour-long class stuff and then just stretch it out or maybe you can well it worked out because i I was
1: able to just go more in depth with the things that i would normally try to cram in an hour so for like across the floor i could do more exercises for center work i did it longer you know things like that so that was great but it just made me i don't know having to teach for that long and then the fact that i am basically taking my class three times in a row versus, yeah. like, because they they don't know what I'm doing. I haven't been there f- before. You know, like, when I teach my regular classes now, I can kind of just stand and teach because the kids know everything. I'm drilling them. I'm giving them feedback at this point. You know, I'm cleaning mm-hmm. technique versus introducing new technique all the time. But when they don't know what the step is, I kind of have to do it to show it, and I'm just, like, taking class with myself. So taking three classes back-to-back – by the end i was like oh my gosh i'm, I'm gonna die <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's so intense yeah. but it was so much wow. fun
1: being able to make try, being able to give advanced movers who weren't familiar with the movement class versus beginners who aren't familiar with the move the movement like you can just approach things much quicker throw things at them it's so much more fun not more fun yeah it's, it's fun in a different way sorry i should clarify um, yeah because totally. then because then on Friday that was on Tuesday on Friday I was teaching at um, one of the county public schools had a dance festival so I was there teaching class with middle school and high schoolers and then adjudicating their showcase and that was just a totally different experience just like the approach the energy they were all into it but I had to go a little bit slower there was a lot more mixed skill levels in the group and then I had the dance teachers, like, taking notes and watching on the side, which was a little nerve-wracking, but it was also, like, it was fine.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. Being
0: watched while teaching is really intense.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although, I think I would prefer other teachers watching than, like, the parents watching.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite, like, I don't know, class length plus age plus experience level to teach? Like, what's your ideal or like most exciting class situation?
1: I think class length definitely depends on the age level, the age range I'm teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the ones that I enjoy the most are either like high school or college. Yeah, and having like an hour and a half maybe is a good amount of time because mm-hmm. I can really challenge them and uh, it's just fun to explore. Versus little kids, it's a little bit shorter. I have to, I have to translate things into games a little bit more and i can't stay as long in one exercise you know so i have to move through a little bit faster
0: yeah i like taught um at this dance festival that was started last year called dissolving doors Mm -hmm. um and i like co-taught a three hour long improvisation class for adults that was so fun that sounds because you're not you're not dealing with like all of like the behavior stuff and like I don't know, like teaching yeah. how to participate in class. Yeah. You know, it's an adult thing. So if like someone sits out, sits down, needs to get water, everyone just like takes care of themselves. Yeah. You know, and you really have a lot of time to like dig into things and like, you know, it take if you need to like take a second to do some writing about something or like dive into a conversation like that's all part of it. You really have a long time to like you're not rushed or anything. Yeah.
1: Well, I and love I will that. say. that. I will say it's also much easier going in teaching a master class or a work, a one day workshop than it is teaching a regular class, whether that's in public school or at a studio or whatever, because you're kind of, you go in, you're like the new cool thing. No one's there. No one's really experienced what you're doing before. So they're usually much quieter. They pay more attention. If it's kids, you know, it's, you don't have to deal with as many of the other behavioral things. Maybe a teacher would have to because you're just the guest. Um yeah. so I have so much respect to all the teachers that work in public schools who have to, you know, really work to reach those kids sometimes cuz they they don't always want to dance. They're there to for a class for PE credit or however the class the school is structured. Um mm-hmm. and so like afterwards I was sitting with some of the administrators and they were and they were just talking over dinner about some of the struggles they've been working through for their counties and all that and it's just crazy how how much other stuff goes into teaching dance at in a school setting mm-hmm. other than just the dance, you know, like there's so much more.
0: Yeah. I do kind of miss like teaching, I mean, these, these weren't dance classes, these were like science, art, craft classes that I used to teach, but having the same, you know, group of kids every single week and not doing like a one-time master class, but like that... Uh, continuity is really kind of fun because you can like try new things like you bringing in those like lights to your hip-hop class and right. stuff like yeah, yeah, totally. you can see you can like introduce a new thing and like watch it develop week after week and watch the kids adapt to it or like not take do it well and try new things and just having a group once it's like that whole you don't you can't do that you know you can't see how things progress so it's so different
1: and it will say in a studio setting, all the kids want to be there. And that makes such a big difference versus a public yeah. school where it, it's not always the case. But I'm, but I'm sure though, when you make a breakthrough with those kids, it, it's that much more rewarding, you know? So yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could it ever do it though. Fun. At least right now. Like, Oh man, I guess stressed yeah. out just I thinking mean, about it.
0: I'm not really teaching anymore right now. So
1: have you found, things that you would use in class does it translate when you're working with taking pictures of kids at the studio? Has any of that Um, translated over?
0: I think from teaching different ages of kids in the classes I used to teach I really kind of learned like how what different ages like how they how they respond to things differently Mm -hmm. like what you can what makes a four-year-old laugh is different than a seven-year-old laugh and like kind of (laughs) how to engage with them and, and like just you know, getting down on their level and like talking quietly, like, you know, how to create a certain kind of energy in a space with kids. I like definitely feel like that's translated over. Um, it's definitely helped. Um, it's it's also like very different. <laughs> I'm still learning.
1: This is my discovery of the week, but it's so relevant to this discussion right now. I had So this... we
0: should do Discovery of the Week now for both of us.
1: <laughs> well, sure. Or, or you can keep yours for later. But I had this crazy revelation. Like this past week when I was teaching so I uh, at this one studio, I have um uh, an age that's like seven years old to like ten years old, I think, and then I have a teen group, so like middle school and high school and mm-hmm. this is a slightly more recreational studio space so it's it's uh it's I've had to work harder and it's given me a little bit more pressure and stress when I go to teach there just because I have to. Um, work to get the kids engaged a little bit more and other things like that. Especially my my 7 to 11 group because they are really there just to have fun. They don't, not necessarily dance. Like dance is the way they're having fun, but they're not there to dance, if that makes sense. Or, or yeah. at least not all the time. So there's a lot of like, hey, get off the floor. Hey, sit up. Hey, stop talking. Hey, like pay attention. Hey, let's do this now. But I realized they're at the age where because they don't have phones yet they're not really on social media there are no tiktok dances in my class which is amazing because in my teen class the minute i stop they're all talking to each other and trying to like remember the latest tiktok dance or if i tell them to improvise they do their tiktok dance and like every water break they're on their phones on tiktok i'm like oh my gosh guys stop we are not working on tiktok stuff right now so, when I realized that, that actually made me a lot happier to work with that age group.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certain distractions are just not there yet. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, anyways, that was actually kind of a cool realization for me.
0: Should I do my discover? No, I'll no, save no, my save discovery save week for the normal time.
1: Yeah, it was just super relevant okay. to like kind of what we're talking about, so I wanted to say it now. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, how's your week? I've been talking a lot.
0: Um, it's been great. My new job is super fun. I just like love going there every single day. I like leave work and I'm like, ooh, I can't wait for tomorrow. We're doing this. We're doing that. So yeah, that's been great. And, you know, I just took dance class today. I'm going to take class tomorrow. So there's something about like having more structure that lets me at my like on my time off not think about work so much because like I don't need to be worried about like making money and stuff anymore as much. So mm-hmm. It's like been, my time off has been more relaxing and I've like had more energy to dance and mm-hmm. have rehearsals and stuff. So so far it's been great. Um it's like super warm today. <laughs> it's yeah, like spring. Weather I don't know here if here in
1: DC has been a little crazy too.
0: Yeah, so it's been I don't know. It feels like it's like April, but it's not. It's been like a confusing week. <laughs> but oh, I um so I took photos of the show. Oh yeah, you text on... me all those pictures. Yeah, on when was that Friday? The... who knows no idea when it was (laughs) sometime over the past week um it was actually the same piece that i took photos of before i can't remember if i mentioned that or not but this really dark piece with this flashlight did i mention that
1: uh very briefly
0: okay well it was the same piece but it was a solo version so i got there and kind of realized that i had already like taken a lot of photos of it so i was trying to kind of figure out like new approaches or something like that um but after the performance, there was like this reception. So I did event photos. I got to use my new light speed light modifier for the first time. Um, the it worked mod. really well. Yeah, my mag mod sphere. Um, the the room was super dark, as in no lights were turned on. I'm thinking it was like a similar brightness to your your dance thing last night. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and the light was just really soft and really nice and it was super easy to use i just had it in uh like the automatic mode so you should get one is the moral of the story
1: (laughs) i'll think about it i don't use you're doing events you don't what i don't use speed lights a lot anymore
0: yeah well you don't really do that many events right
1: Yeah. The only events I do are when Dance Place has them and I have to do them. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that happens like
1: maybe twice a year. You know
0: what's going to happen this summer? You're going to be at Bates (sighs) and there's going to be those beer gardens and I'm not going to be there to do all of them.
1: But I have another intern so I can make her do it.
0: (laughs) This is true. It's like the the intern dirty work of (laughs) the trip. But um, yeah, I I I loved it. And it was, um, I don't know, just it's so fun to have, like, new gear and play with it, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, for sure, new toys are always time. a great way to get re-inspired or just to, you know, have fun. Yeah. It just thinks that our toys are usually so expensive.
0: It was, yeah, it's not a cheap light modifier compared to the thing I made for that other event with the the white foam and my <laughs> hair elastic. Yeah. This was way more expensive than that, but it was, the light was much better, so.
1: And it's very know. durable, It's gonna last you a long time.
0: Yeah. Um, but that's kind of been everything new in my last week. Do you think we should jump into capture critique?
1: Yeah. Did you like the sound effect I put in last time? That little Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's go capture critique. We can put
0: that in again. So we started this last week, so this is our second time doing it. Capture critique is a new thing on the podcast where Jonathan and I will send each other um a photo that we probably haven't seen. Um, before, like not something we've posted on Instagram, hopefully, Um, we're going to send our photos to each other right now. And we're going to give each other feedback and also try to guess the settings um, that were used. And then we're going to post them on Instagram, or maybe they will have already been posted on Instagram at this point. Um, So you can look at them and you can give us feedback as well. And also try to guess the settings. We'll be posting the metadata so you can see. Yeah. Everything.
1: Also, in case you don't have Instagram, you can still see these. If you go on your computer or a web browser on your phone and just type in Instagram.com backslash still in motion podcast, you can still see all of our posts, even if you do not have an account. So, just in case, letting you all know that. Did you get it? Yeah. Ooh, those floor reflections. Very Catherine right? Dot Butler photography.
0: <laughs> totally. It's my aesthetic.
1: All right, so a quick description in case you can't see it. It's a solo image, so there's only one person in the shot. It's in portrait mode. It's a silhouette. There's this light from behind the person casting this really nice glow off the floor. And it's illuminating more the bottom half of the person and the floor, so you can't really even see the head. But there's really ni- There's this really nice framing and silhouette, and the person is wearing this kind of sheer fabric, so the light is also coming through the what they're wearing as well um let's see i think it's so cool how you can't see the head both on the actual person and the floor like you kind of you are really focused on the lower half of the body which is really interesting um and i can't can i zoom in on this on facebook or do i have to download this or like if i want to get in closer how do i do this
0: um i don't I know you might need to figure download this out. it yeah Wow, we're still kind of getting the hang of this. Yeah, I
1: know. Sorry people. Uh zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Cool. Um all right, it looks kind of noisy. I mean, obviously it was a pretty dark piece cuz that was there was only one backlight in this at the moment. Uh so let's see. I'm going to guess ISO 6400, shutter speed 1 over 100 cuz that's what it was last time. <laughs> uh F2.8. And I'm actually not sure about the compression, like the focal length, because it actually seems more zoomed out. Uh, ooh, Hmm, hmm. I'm gonna say still your 70 to 200, but like on the 70 millimeter side versus the 200 side, because there's that there's no way this is 35 millimeters, I don't think.
0: Okay. Do you want the answers?
1: <laughs> yes. Go for it.
0: Okay. For some reason, in my metadata, I have so much metadata problems. I. I'm not in Lightroom anymore. I just like exported it and then I opened it to get the metadata. It's not telling me what the ISO was. Um, so I can't tell you if you're right or not on that, but I would guess that it was like 6,400 given that the only light was is behind the yeah, dancer. I was gonna say. There's literally no light on the front, so I don't know how I would be any lower than that. Um, yeah, f2.8, um, you were right about one one hundredth of a second. That's kind of the lowest that'll go like hand-holding. Yeah. Well, I
1: noticed that from your last so. one. That's why I was guessing 1 over 100.
0: I mean, that's not really something you can like tell from the image per se. I feel like you guessed that because you know me and my yeah. other image. Like yeah. You didn't see something in the image that gave you that answer. Um, And 85 millimeters.
1: Oh, dang. Okay. Well, I was but close. I said on this- the 70 millimeter yeah. s- side of it.
0: In this photo, there's really, like, almost no way to know because since you're not seeing anything behind the subject, like, you can't get any information about compression.
1: Yeah. Well, and because it's, you can see the full body and it's not quite as tight of a, like, a portrait kind of crop, that's why I guess it was slightly more zoomed back. But uh-huh. not so far that, like, uh, 16 to 35, I feel like it would be even further away. Yeah. Because in, well, also because in those in these situations, usually, if you want to keep that backlight, you need to make sure the whole audience can see the light behind the person. So that means the person wasn't that far downstage either. Like I, I'm guessing they were more upstage.
0: Yeah, they were in like the back upstage corner.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So I mean, so you also figured that out by just knowing things about choreography and, and lighting, stage yeah. design and yeah. lighting design. It's kind of a tricky picture if, if you're looking at it and trying to guess yourself on instagram like mm-hmm. there's not a lot about it that would give that away because i could if this was a photo shoot i could have shot this at like 35 millimeters and been closer and you know cropped it in the same shape and because you don't see anything behind the dancer it i think it would look almost the same
1: although i do think if it was at 35 you would the there'd be a little bit more distortion like the person would, would seem a little bit bigger
0: yeah it would it would have a more three-dimensional I don't know. It does have a uh, have a flatter sort of feel because it's eighty five millimeters. I think. Well, you were pretty close to perfect for that, so good job. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Let's see. I'm trying to think what what feedback I would give about this. I mean, it's so hard with performance pictures because so much is out of your control. You're really just like finding the moment to click the shutter. Um, mm-hmm. but I think from like a just just creatively, I like I wonder what it would look like black and white. Or if you like made it black and white and really boosted the highlights to really make it contrasty and like really pop. Mm-hmm. Um, or mm-hmm. even like changing the color of the light because it's such a warm tone. What would happen if you made it like a green or a purple or just to although eh, I mean, I like the warm tone the way it is. But I'm saying that more more because I can't really I don't know. I don't have a lot of feedback to give with this because I know it's for my performance. So it's not yeah. like you had a lot of control over anything.
0: Yeah, so this is the color that the light was in the performance. It was a very warm light. I'm not sure if it had a gel on it or if it was just this uh, white balance. So again, I think I said this last week too, but for a performance photo, I'm not going to be that artistic. I'm not going to deliver anything in black and white. I'm going to try to just match as much as I, to my best ability, like what it looked like for an audience member. So Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit less... Uh, freedom there.
1: Well, I do like though how you left it cropped. So there's actually a lot of black negative space above the person, versus mm-hmm. cropping it in more at the shoulders since you can't see the head anyways, and just making it a tighter crop. It, like it's really nice having that empty space on the top, but you actually see more on the bottom because of the reflection. So like it's yeah. an interesting. Like compositionally, it's really interesting having that negative space and I think for an artist that's useful because if you need a poster made like that's where the text would go
0: yeah I've been thinking a lot about crops and like sometimes I think if a person is bent over I like to keep enough space that like if you imagine them standing up their head would still be in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what I mean I think it creates enough space that you can like see the potential of action before and after the movement within the crop Like, if I had cropped, like, yes, the person's head is not in the image, but if I had cropped it out, then you wouldn't have known if the head was in the image or not,
1: right? right? Right. So, like,
0: here, you know, and and it wasn't purposeful. There was literally no light shining on the person's (laughs) head. So, um, uh, yeah, (laughs) not um, my choice <laughs> yeah just how it was well and actually um,
1: now that we're talking about crop i almost wonder what it could look like if you did it even tighter like a 16 by 9 so it's much narrower so there's less black around the, s- the sides of the image but there's still plenty of black above the head or yeah. adding in black so then it turns into a landscape 16 by 9 so you really you have this like really clear focal point but then it's surrounded by all this black so it almost accentuates the no head even more
0: yeah I mean, also having more space shows that it really, truly was a solo. (laughs) Um, You know, if you crop in otherwise too close, you could be cropping somebody out in theory who's next to them. So sometimes you want to leave enough space to actually show what's going on in the piece. Um, This is maybe a whole different discussion, but like I typically crop an 8x10. Generally, um, I didn't do this at Bates. I don't know why. I think I left it 6x9 or something. But... um, for performances especially i don't really get too creative with crops i just crop everything at eight by ten and move on <laughs> and i like to leave enough space that you know if they want to crop your... it square
1: sorry you finish your thought
0: uh yeah leave enough space that if they have something specific for a poster or a postcard or something that they need to do with the image they can crop it and have a little bit of freedom there mm. but i give it to them eight by ten
1: gotcha even uh in landscape? Yep. For ver- for portrait images, I usually crop eight by ten unless the image specifically calls for something else. But then when it's landscape, I actually kind of leave it by the like the four by three aspect ratio or whatever it is the default out of the camera. That mm-hmm. or I'll actually often change it to six by nine, sixteen by nine.
0: We could get into our choices behind all of this, but I think <laughs> maybe that's another that's another thing.
1: Yeah, or maybe a little bit later. Um. Yeah. Um. That's all. Those are all the thoughts I have cool. about your image. Should Thanks. I send you mine? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let me find it real quick.
0: Ooh, okay, I think we're going to have, this is, <laughs> this is so funny, because this is literally like last week, it was a similar image, but I was like, basically wanting it to look more like this. That was my critique of last <laughs> week's image. And now you send me one that's literally the thing that I was asking for. Okay, I'm going to explain what this is, Um, if in case you're driving. Like my mom probably is right now, and I'm listening. Hey mom. Um, okay. So this is a photo shoot photo, not a performance photo. Um, it's taken again like last week outside on the street. The dancer uh, is wearing like tennis shoes. There's a graffitied wall behind. It's like warehousey with a private property sign in the corner. Um, really like a little bit of like a rundown urban feel. Um it's I would guess that it's shot at 16 millimeters again. Um, besides that, maybe it's 1 one fiftieth of a second, maybe 1 200th of a second. This is the part where it's a little bit hard to guess. It's a little bit noisy. Maybe ISO at like 2000 or something. It's outside, so I would highly doubt that it's at 6400. Um, more explanation about what the image actually is it's very distorted um the background isn't that distorted so i would i wonder if you've done like lens corrections on it um or something but the dancer is sort of leaning in towards the camera the uh the dancer's arm is like sticking out and so the hand is like way larger than it should be so it's got this like sort of distorted feeling non-realistic um photoshoot but definitely not taken at like you know 85 millimeters um i like this one much better than last week's image because you do have the building tipping back in a way but then then the dancer is reaching like in towards the camera so it does have that like contrasting energy pull which i was wanting last week <laughs> um are my settings anywhere close
1: i want me to tell you yeah okay so uh for some context so this is london he dances on orange grove dance with me and so we went into baltimore one day and this is like this run down old train station that is now covered in graffiti and stuff so we went there i knew it was i knew it existed so i went there to take these pictures and he has very flexible shoulders so the way he's hold, his, he's like moving his arms right now he literally sleeps like that like Whoa. it's kind of crazy yeah um <laughs>
0: It looks a little bit dislocated.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, his shoulders are crazy. Um, But this was actually shot on my phone.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I got these new Moment lenses to go on my phone. So I specifically hit him up to test out some of the lenses. So this was actually at – well, so the lens says it's 18 millimeters, but I'm not sure – if that's the actual like 18 millimeter equivalent on a full frame camera or not but it is pretty wide so i would say you're pretty close like 16 to 18 millimeters somewhere around that range um it was because it's my phone it's a fixed aperture at f1.7 my iso was 412 and my shutter speed was one over 680 okay and then the i
0: was pretty far off then that's okay.
1: <laughs> but it was on my phone, so it's a little yeah, bit different. Yeah, so it's a little bit different, kind of totally. A, this was kind of like a trick one for you. Were sorry.
0: you – no, it's okay. Uh, were you shooting in an app, or does your phone allow you to, like, choose settings? Yeah, or so I – Or was this I, just pointing shoot? So
1: I was using – well, I was actually using, like, three different apps, but the one I used for this picture was Moment. Like, they have their own camera app, and in that okay. one, you can manually change all the settings except for the aperture because that's fixed. OK, um, but even in my Samsung, I have a Samsung Note 8 and even in my native app, there's a pro version, pro like mode where I can change my shutter speed and ISO and all that kind of stuff. But okay. what I liked about this is it also let me shoot in raw. Um, and then and there are a couple other things that uh, don't pertain to this particular lens. But uh, mm-hmm. so I shot this on my phone and I edited it on my phone. So I was able to bring back more of the colors because it was in RAW. And actually, I added in some grain on purpose because it was that urban gritty feel.
0: Yeah. It does have more uh, grain in it than I would guess for the ISO that you were using, which yeah. is why I guessed. I was a little bit confused. I was like, this is definitely taken outside in daylight. Why does it look? sort of grainy. Well, I will also say I, yeah. from
1: the cell phone sensor, even at ISO 100, you're still going to see some grain and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that too. But I like purposely added even more just to kind of enhance the effect I was going for.
0: Yeah, no, it's a cool effect for sure. Okay, feedback. I am a little unsure about the crop. The cuz I I think what's confusing about it for me is it almost looks like his knee is touching the ground. Mm-hmm. Like he's kneeling, but he's not because if he was, then his other leg was would have to be bent more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, was it a choice to cut out his leg or was this um, his bottom foot, his left foot?
1: Let me look at the original image real quick. I don't remember if I cropped it or if that's just how I took the picture. <laughs> and that was just, But
0: it's also kind of nice because uh... it does draw attention to his hand, his face, and the background. And you were definitely down really low when you took this like laying on the ground
1: um okay so for this one the that's i didn't actually change the crop it was just i took the picture that way so if i were to redo it i would i think i would lower i would make sure i included the knee
0: was he improvising or were you directing
1: uh this particular one i think i was directing we had done a quick session of him improvising and then I think I had, because I knew he could do that with his shoulders, I told him to do that. And then I just told him, can you distort your legs somehow? So he twisted them like that.
0: It's cool. I, I almost wonder about making it black and white kind of same same thoughts for mine. <laughs> um, it, the colors are kind of like muted already. Yeah. And given that it is a photo shoot, you can really like play with the colors or like maybe it's all black and white except for like the red or something, Mm -hmm. like only one color.
1: Well, and I wonder how much more I could do if I brought this into Lightroom and edited it versus I used a Snapseed on my phone, which is great. It's a really powerful tool, but you just can't do as much on your phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I wasn't sure why, but like the image almost looks a little squished in, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I would have almost wanted to take it then into Photoshop and stretched it out horizontally a little bit and then I wonder if it would look a little bit more natural. I'm not sure.
0: There is something kind of different about the Moment lenses and the way that they look compared to like a wide angle on a DSLR. It's like the distortion is a little bit flatter, maybe.
1: Like there's less you know, distortion?
0: It looks like it's distorted, but then you did like lens corrections on it, like in in Lightroom. To, because I feel like the there's a lot of like straight lines in the background that I feel like would normally be more curved and there would be more of like a vignette which there isn't oh I didn't even it's almost like that. it automatically yeah.
1: did those corrections for did
0: me. some sort of lens correction which i when i'm shooting um on my 70 to 200 i do lens corrections because it removes the very small amount of distortion that's there yeah but when i'm using my wide angle lens i don't like how it looks when i do those corrections because it just like flattens it out it mm-hmm. almost looks like if the photo is like a bowl or something yeah. like, or like we, when you have like, um, a globe and then you take the globe and you have a map and it has those weird, like cracks in it to right. stretch something that was a sphere. Yeah. Cause sometimes paper. you
1: want those curves cause it gives you that perspective for sure.
0: When you're shooting wide angle, that's kind of like the point is <laughs> for that, like spherical sort of sense. This looks almost too flat to me. Huh? Interesting. It's just like, I didn't even know uh, that. It's like a moment lens question. Cause you didn't change anything like that.
1: When I was testing out the lens, there was this really weird delay between me hitting the shutter button and the them it actually taking the picture so when i was using the moment lens i would have to tell them to hold the poses instead of doing like jumps jumps were super hard and i would switch to my native camera app because there was no lag so so i don't know
0: how these lenses work so it's not just like clipped on to the lens it's actually connected to the camera to the phone's camera somehow
1: yeah, so you buy a case for your phone, and they're all different because each camera, each phone now has you know a different number of lenses and shape and all that. But then you screw the lens onto the case. Okay. And the case is lined up with the camera hole, so then when you screw it in, it's lined up.
0: So it is affecting the can the phone's like software function in some way, like for that delay.
1: No. No, so I'm saying it is Moments app that is doing the delay. So something in their algorithm oh. that they made is has the delay.
0: I see. Okay, but can you use your regular camera? Yeah. App mm-hmm. and with the lens, and is there a delay then?
1: No. So I would I okay. would use the native camera app when I was trying to do more action shots. Um, and I was curious to see if I would see an Im- a difference in image quality. okay because they all have some kind of you know they do their own like digital softening and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah and i discovered actually like the phone doesn't do very good in direct light like for some reason the skin just looked really bad on my phone so yeah i I had to go find shade like what we did here to make it look natural even when i like up the shutter speed all the way to really like make the exposure correct the skin would look weird at least to me
0: that's weird.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, have to do more shoots with this and experiment more.
0: That's so cool. That's exciting that you got them, though. I know you've been talking about that for a while. Yeah, Test well, because I have out. my
1: ACDA class coming up, so I figured this yeah. was a good time to do that, to see if it was worth well, it to bring we up we should them talk more
0: about them once you've, like, tested them a bit more and stuff. Yeah, totally. It's really interesting. And a little bit reassuring that there's still stuff that, like, even with that kind of gear that the, you know, a phone still can't achieve... <laughs> <laughs> oh, a yeah a DSLR for sure. camera can like for people trying to make it in professional photography we don't want people to be able to just do what we do with a camera case so
1: yeah well and it's I don't know I mean it is amazing though how far technology has come the fact that my phone can take a better picture than a pro level camera from like I don't know 20 years ago you know yeah. it's just like kind of crazy I I did a couple of uh images where I had him do the same pose and I took from the same perspective with my phone and my camera to see the difference and i'm mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna try and post those on my instagram at some point oh, once I be get cool. to edit them. yeah
0: yeah i'd be interested in seeing that
1: all right we're actually pretty far into the show but is it okay if i bring well, up this yeah, article th-
0: yeah let's talk about that okay hopefully this doesn't sure.
1: turn into too much of a rant um well, but okay so i
0: sort of disagree with the article so this is going to be interesting
1: uh, well I but, do too, uh, which is why I want oh, to Oh you bring do it up. too. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay.
0: <laughs> um <laughs> explain what it is. Yeah, okay. So everybody. I went to
1: University of Maryland and there uh there's a school of theater, dance and performance studies. And one of the courses all majors have to do is what we call a four seventy nine, where you are working in one of the shops or you're in the tech booth or some aspect some production aspect of a show and it's a one credit class, you're either working like a certain number of hours in a shop Or you're basically working a show for its run. So you might be doing like wardrobe for the show. So you're working the entire show, like the run, whether it's two weeks or three weeks. Or you're maybe like doing the lightning board, the light board, you know, things like that. Um, And it has always been uh, an issue of contention within the department with, with the students feeling like it's a lot of unpaid labor and it's not useful and it's a waste of their time and all this kind of stuff. But then uh, the school newspaper, the Diamondback, they came out with this article where they had interviewed some students. And like uh, the way they portrayed the course in this article was it was taking advantage of the students. They weren't getting any benefits from the class. And they had interviewed some students who th- felt like it was um, it was unfair and it got in the way of, you know, like um, jobs that they had to have to pay for college and tuition and all that kind of stuff um and when I read it it just really rubbed me the wrong way so I I spent I don't know like 20 minutes writing up a post and I I reshared the article with my thoughts and I was just surprised at how many people liked it and commented underneath it with their own thoughts what did you think before I tell you what everyone else was saying and what I thought <laughs> did you have that kind of thing at so Colby?
0: sort of um we had a lot of for, so we have a combined theater and dance department, too, and we had a lot of requirements of, like, you had to stage manage a show, like, work in the scene shop, like, do a lot of these kind of, you know, other elements of production type requirements, which, yes, they can have, like, huge amount of hours and stuff. Um, but I also, like, sort of disagreed with the article. I sort of thought you were going to agree with it, and I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> this is going to be funny. But um, I... Uh, I think that it's totally fine to require that kind of work for the theater and dance major. I think it's extremely valuable to be working a show and to be in theater for 12 hours in a day and to be feeling like you're doing nothing. And I think it's sort of your responsibility to like, number one, figure out a way to be learning, you know, like just because you're like ironing a costume, like what else can you get from it, who else can you be watching? Like, who else can you be talking to? How can you make it a learning experience for yourself? Um, I think the ball's kind of in your court there, like you you can mm-hmm. get what you want to out of the experience and also like other other majors are putting in similar hours. Like if you're a physics major, maybe you're spending 12 hours working on a problem set and that's a 4 credit class. And you can't go to your other on-campus job or something like I think a lot of times people sort of feel like theater and dance work uh when you have to put in a lot of time for it like they treat it in a different way like it's a waste of your time and I don't agree with that I think I've gotten like lots of jobs and things and after graduating Colby because I had experience like with lighting design and you know, you just have such a different perspective as a performer when you've also, like, been the person who cleans the stage and, mm-hmm. like, is working in the wings and who's ironing that costume. Like, when they say don't sit in your costume, that's because somebody just ironed it for, like, <laughs> an hour. Like, it, you know, you are, just have such a better view about, like, what's going on to make a production happen. Um, I think it's totally appropriate for a school to offer or to require some sort of experience like that. Um I think it's totally fair, and it shouldn't be like in the article. People were complaining that it was unpaid labor. You're not getting paid for any class that you take in college. If you take a four credit astronomy class, you're not getting paid to do the work. Yeah, and like sure, when you graduate, if you're an engineer, you will be paid to research, right? But you're in college, so you're paying to do the work to learn.
1: Yeah, yeah, because in the article they had said, uh, you know, like in a real life situation, you would be getting paid for your time at the shop or in the booth. I was like, well yeah, because they have experience doing their because you job, have a degree. Which is what you're getting in college. Like that's Yeah, the whole you shouldn't point. be paid
0: yet. You will get paid later. And actually, from experience, a lot of times you don't get paid later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, how much
0: theater and dance work have you done since graduating that still is unpaid? Like in part it feels like a good wake up call to be like, you're choosing this path where like making money is not going to be the main incentive for doing this if you're trying to make a lot of money you maybe have picked the wrong field
1: right also like honestly working in the shop or at the booth that's a more stable source of income than trying to be a performer
0: yes i mean all kinds of things even yesterday at my photography job i knew how to coil up cords for like all of the lights because of working in the scene shop Mm -hmm. And, like, having to coil cords a certain way. Like, you never know what skills from doing something like that you'll be able to take with you. Even if it's just seeing a show and knowing what's happening or having respect for the people in the booth and, like, seeing a crazy lighting cue and being like, I know somebody up there is pressing that go button at the perfect time. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just, it it expands your perspective of live theater and how many moving parts are going into something like that.
1: I'm curious what your thoughts are on this because I yeah let me just tell me me what we think so one of the arguments they made in the article was it's a one credit class it's way too much work for one credit so they should increase the credit like it should be a two credit class maybe like what would you what are your thoughts on that
0: i think credit sometimes for theater and dance classes get all weird anyway i mean i took the same two credit technique class again and again and again and like by senior year the credits didn't even mean anything i had more than enough credits but was still going to technique class because i wanted to be in technique because mm-hmm. that's important if you're a performer i don't i don't know i think it's not that they're working this show all semester it's just like right they're working the exactly. tech week is one thing and the work that they're doing is not like extremely difficult
1: yeah I well mean, just to clarify it's, usually it's like a two to three week commitment because it's tech but then it's the run of the show
0: so did you do this thing Mm -hmm. when you were there yeah did did. you what were your thoughts of like actually doing it did you learn things from it have you taken things from it
1: yeah totally i mean i did uh i was the projection board op for both times i did it and it was very useful for me the fact that i was in the booth so i could hear the stage manager calling cues i could see all the other elements when they had to hold on stage and I, then I could hear every single thing that was going on behind the scenes. Whereas if you're on stage, you're just kind of like, well, all they need to do is turn this light on and change the cue. Why is it taking so long? Well, guess what? Because you have to go through the board op, who then talks to the designer, who talks to the other designer to make sure it doesn't conflict with their design, to figure out the timing, to figure out, you know, like there are so many things you don't think about. And as a college student, and no offense to anyone who hears this, but you have no idea what you're talking about. You're trying to go into a field that you have no experience in. Your brain isn't even fully developed yet when you're in college. So how in the world are you going to complain about how things are done and how you think they should be done when you have no idea how it works in the real world? Like, guess what? That's how it works in the real world. Like, when yeah. you're a board op, that's what it's like. If you ever do costumes, that's what it's like. And unless – you're maybe you're a genius, maybe you're a superstar, and you'll never have to do that, and you will only be on stage – and you'll be a huge celebrity. But most of us, that doesn't happen. And if you are that celebrity, guess what? No one likes a diva. So if you appreciate how everything else works, it makes everyone's lives better. So I don't know. It just oh, everyone, I could talk about this way more. But um, yeah. Oh, going, one last thing about the credits, actually, that I thought was a good point that I didn't even think about. So if you want more credits for the work, that means you're also paying more to do that class. Which then goes against the whole, well, I'm working two jobs and this is getting in the way of my jobs. You know, like, so...
0: Yeah, that is a good point.
1: The fact that it's a one-credit class means you can take more other classes that you are more interested in and you're paying less to get this experience versus a three-credit class. Well, now you can't take that other technique class that you might think is more valuable.
0: I mean, I think back, uh, back in the day when, like, dance companies, like bigger dance companies are more of a thing, I kind of understand why a class like this wouldn't matter so much. Like if you want to be a dancer, you're just going to like get into Martha Graham Company and be there for uh, many years. But my experience from being in New York now is that like when I work at Lion's Jaw, I'm the lighting designer there. I, I know how to run a board. I know how to, you know, when, you know, all the time I'm using these different skills that I learned from stage managing at Colby and from lighting design and, scene shop work and costume work like all of that stuff i'm using that stuff all the time and it's actually gotten me other dance connections and the ability to take classes with really interesting people because i've been able to like go to festivals working in these other aspects of dance and theater and i just feel like if you are only in it to like be on stage and be a performer and you aren't interested in any of these other aspects of the form then like maybe this is not the right field for you as harsh as that sounds like there, when i was like working those other parts of dance it almost made me i was like wow i really love this this is weird like why do i why do i like running the light board and not being on stage i was like i thought i loved dance and that was all i loved like what it was almost kind of confusing for me but like it's kind of good to know that you like all aspects that go into making live theater and dance happen you yeah. know, even if it's like marketing, if it's admin work, like whatever, as long as you're like part of that. We, I don't know. I could go on and on about this, but um, yeah, well, I and, totally agree with you. And yeah. I think those experiences are so valuable and you have to like have some trust in the school that you go to that like those people are setting you up with school experiences that will prepare you for the real world. And I feel like that kind of experience will prepare you, prepare you.
1: Yeah. Well, and also Maryland is a BA program. So if you really just want to perform, then maybe you should have gone to a BFA program. But even then, yes. I think BFA programs should have something along this kind of requirement, you know, because it's useful. Maybe you didn't know you enjoyed working backstage, but because of this, all of a sudden you are interested or you should at least be open to the idea that you could be interested in doing something other than being the one on stage. I guess that's my yeah. other don't know what- I have.
0: What experiences are going to lead you to other experiences? Like, like for example, I wouldn't have started doing dance photography if I wasn't working an admin job at a dance venue. And if I didn't know that I kind of liked working admin in any aspect of dance, I wouldn't have looked for an admin job, mm-hmm. right? Like if I thought I only wanted to be on stage performing, maybe my survival jobs would have been like waiting tables or something. But I knew I liked working in any aspect of performance production all of that so I had a uh, internship working arts admin and then that got me connected to dance photography and everything that I've done since then is related to that right so Mm -hmm. like knowing that you're happy working any way you can to make a performance happen I think is a good thing to know about yourself anyway right
1: yeah yeah and I mean I talked to so many alumni because there are a lot of still like alumni from the program who are in the area and i wouldn't even bring it up but i would walk past them and they would say oh i loved your thoughts on the article and then we start talking about it and i think out of everyone i talked to or i saw posting about it online maybe there were two people that kind of agreed with the article all of the other alumni thought it was beneficial to them and they were glad they did it even though they might have hated it while they were doing it so like it just goes to show it's one of sometimes you have to yeah like like you said trust the faculty that you that you're learning from that they have your best interests in mind and okay i will say the system is not perfect but there is no perfect system that exists anywhere and i do think the pros outweigh the cons and maybe yes there are some things that need to be adjusted in the system but like you know what at the end of the day it is your own life so you have to make the best out of your situation and playing the victim just really bothers me yeah. saying like, "Oh, it's all because of this, like the school policy." I'm str- like, I understand everyone's situation is different, but like, guess what? At the end of the day, no one cares when they're looking at you in an audition or whatever it is. Like, right. you need to be there and you take ownership of your life and what you do. Yeah, totally. That's kind of harsh. I think but- this
0: is this is a conversation for maybe another episode, but I do feel like there's a lot of times at liberal arts schools this feeling of like students almost like an entitled sort of energy of like pushing up against professors. And the, I don't know, like I I take more of a stance of just kind of, even if you don't understand what's happening, like trusting that these adults with more experience than you are creating a curriculum that will benefit you. And yes, it's not fun to be stapling scripts for a show that you're not performing in at 1 a.m., but like just sort of like reminding yourself that, If this wasn't beneficial, I wouldn't be doing it right now. And I might not understand right now why this is something that I need to do. But like, obviously, it is because I trust the faculty at this school because it's a high level school and all of these people have way more experience than I do. And not I mean, I'm not saying don't push back against things and don't like think critically, but like also be a little bit humble and know that like you're what if you're in college, you're like, what, 18 to 22? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have the experience that these people have. So, like, do it. Do do the thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you said that because
1: I was just thinking it's actually in the student's defense. It's slightly ironic that, like, especially in the performing, performing arts, like, we are not. I mean, and this is a blanket statement. But, you know, it's all about... Um, Fighting against the status quo, being subversive, make your voice heard, you know, go against the grain. And so, like, to be fair, the the students kind of are doing that. They're going against, you know, they're fighting against what they think is not fair and not true. But, again, you also have to then be able to step back and realize maybe when you are incorrect in what you think or
0: being able to change your perception of things. This being said, I do give those students who publish the article, like, a lot of credit because they do have very very like clear well articulated thoughts about why they have problems with this thing and for them to not just like keep it in their heads or be frustrated but to like come together and write their thoughts and publish it and share them and like have a conversation about it like you respond as an alum and be like i did it and had this view like to put the conversation out there i think is a good thing yeah. always oh and i guess i able to I talk should, about I it i should
1: I should clarify cuz I do I realize it might it might sound like I've been like ranting against these particular students in the article. I I don't blame them. I don't but like I think it's more the the writer of the article, the the way she framed how she wrote everything. Because for all I know the students could have mentioned something else when they were doing their interview and it and it didn't get mentioned. You know, totally. but the the writer also didn't try and include anyone that thought the program was beneficial. And so in turn, the article sounds like the students are just complaining. So sorry, I should. Yeah. I should say I realize that, um, but I, but also it resonated with me a lot because I heard that same like sentiment and mentality a lot when I was in the program of how students were just mm-hmm. like, oh, this is such a waste of time, and so yeah, yeah. Okay. It
0: also, last thought.
1: <laughs> we, we keep People saying like last to, thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, this is such a juicy topic, though. People. I know. I feel like like to complain about things that even they yes. know if this happened all the time when I was like in high school in a ballet company, a dancer does like five pirouettes and they're perfect. And they're like, Oh, I'm so bad at this. Like there's a, there's an energy of like, if you're not complaining about it, you're not like, I don't know. It's, it's a cool thing to like complain. And I, I know like there were people at Colby who would complain and complain about stage management and stuff. But at the end of the day, they knew that it was going to benefit them in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just put that out there that it's actually I feel pretty rare for somebody to be like constantly optimistic like oh this is gonna help me someday like da 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 people generally complain about what they're doing you know <laughs> um, but to publish it is different <laughs> really put it out there so and, okay I mean, we should try and change
1: the <laughs> mentality don't yeah complain.
0: don't complain about stuff so much Anyways. um you've already done your discovery of the week yeah but I What's guess yours? I should do mine. So I started using QuickBooks to like keep track of photography stuff, and really like it. Um, You do have to like pay, but um, monthly it's pretty cheap to do like the freelancer. Whatever, just write that off. It's called later. Yeah, exactly. You can. So um, that's fine. But before before using QuickBooks, I was using um, a different app on my iPad that's like a checkbook thing that actually you can categorize your income and where it's coming from, but you can't ever sort it to like see only photography expenses together you have to like scroll through everything it's really like not maybe i wasn't using the app the way it was designed but it was not great for what i was doing and then i was just using excel um but so far quickbooks is really cool because every you can like link it to your bank account on your phone and every time a charge comes in you just like swipe one direction if it's personal or swipe the other direction of its business oh, related nice. So you can very quickly just like sort like, oh, this coffee was just for me. This was just for me. Oh, this Uber that was photography related back and forth. How Um, does it work
1: when like if it's a it's a photography expense versus a like dancer expense? Like do you consider dance personal expense versus business?
0: I don't consider dance business. um, Well, first off, I don't make. a positive profit off of dance by the time I book studio space and take classes, the amount that I get in the box office.
1: But even when you were like teaching, like you, so you got income as a dancer, right? So you never had business expenses in that regard?
0: I don't know. I don't have, I don't think of photography or as dance as being a business, I guess. Gotcha. So I've never treated the income that way. Gotcha. For photography, I, I make way too much to not have it as a business you know it's just like way different than dance for me Um, but I haven't done that much dance uh, teaching most of my teaching experience was from my other art science situation um, not from teaching dance so for uh, as dance expenses comes come through I just start put them into personal but I don't know for you it would be different because a large chunk of your income comes from
1: yeah, well, because I, I perform a little bit more, I think, and I teach. So then whenever I'm like on tour, when I'm eating, those are all business ex- business expenses. If I buy stuff like costume stuff or I buy yeah. things for my kids, I consider all those business, business expenses. So you really um,
0: have two businesses. You have Jonathan Dancer and yeah, Jonathan Photography. Yeah. So you and would maybe need two separate QuickBook accounts. I don't know. This is complicated. Yeah, taxes are hard. Yeah but if you just have one business like me, it's a great <laughs> way to do things. I'm loving it so far. And you can also connect your receipts straight to the app. So I'm feeling very organized. Nice. Um, yeah.
1: Cool. Well, this was a great episode. I feel like we got through a lot of content. So I would actually love to hear your thoughts if you have anything about the whole um, 479, like working in a production aspect of a class. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Just so many thoughts. And I'm sure there are a lot of perspectives that I haven't even considered or heard about yet. Yeah. I'd um, really
0: like to actually continue that topic, like even if we get some share some people's perspectives relating to those kind of classes. Like, I think it's a great conversation about like, I don't know, college education and preparing you for being a professional (laughs) and whatever that means.
1: Yeah. So. so in the meantime make sure you email us at still at gmail.com with thoughts about that or anything else you can follow us at still in motion podcast on instagram follow me on instagram jsu media or Catherine. sorry not or and Catherine at katherine.butler <laughs> <laughs> follow both of us
0: instagram, yeah <laughs> um and thank you to amanda blythe for our graphic design and shannon mcconnell for making the music for this podcast we'll see everybody next week Bye. Bye.